Hello, friends, and uh, welcome to this very special edition of Sunday Worship at Walnut Hill. If you are in New England right now, you know that the roads are very icy, and so we are worshiping online as a community today. My name's Brian. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Walnut Hill, and welcome to my home as I share this message with you. You might be thinking, wait a second, the worship just happened in the worship center, but Brian's in his home. What What's happening here? Well, we took some of the worship that happened a few months ago and put it together with this message today so that we could worship together online, and we're so thankful to our production teams uh, for doing that for us. But I wanted to continue in our sermon series today on the Holy Spirit, and this series is called Bringing Heaven to Earth. You might also remember that we're calling this 40-day season Bringing Heaven to Earth as we celebrate these for 40 days, we celebrate our 40 years of ministry as Walnut Hill Community Church. You know, I've been privileged to be a part of about 30 of those years, starting as a younger kid and now as a lead pastor. And I'm so thankful for this church, what it's meant to me personally, how it's been formative in my spiritual walk. There's much to celebrate as we just celebrate and turn our attention to praising God for what he's done through his church. It's his church. He's the Lord of this church. And uh, the Lord has done amazing things through these 40 years. And so we're celebrating that, but we're also eager to see what God's going to do in these next 40 years. And so through these 40 days, we're doing several different things. I want to just draw your attention to our website if you want to find out more about different events that are happening in these 40 days. But the first thing that we started off with was we're starting in our first 20. That's the first 20 minutes of our day spent with Jesus. We've been providing videos along the way. We're about a week into that right now. We're going through the book of Acts. And if you want to get into that just go onto the website. You can watch the videos that have already been done, and every morning a new video is released to start you off in the book of Acts uh, in your first 20. So please take advantage of that. Let's travel together in these 40 days and really celebrate uh, what God has done, and let's also just eagerly anticipate what he's going to do in these next 40 years. Well, friends, we want to continue on in this sermon series on the Holy Spirit. You might remember that last week I talked about who the Holy Spirit is, and I shared several different things with you. I, I talked about how the Holy Spirit is our advocate, how he's our faithful friend, how he leads us into truth, how he's a personal being, and how the Holy Spirit is God. You know, if you missed that message, I'd encourage you to go back and, and listen to it. Today, I want to answer another question. Now that we've talked about who the Holy Spirit is, I want to ask the question, what does the Holy Spirit do? You know, the Holy Spirit is so important in our lives. He does so much. And as I was studying for this message, I was just led to the progression of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works in our, our lives in different ways as he journeys with us. And I just wanted to share that progression with you because I think it's really important. And there's really five stages uh, in the work of the Holy Spirit. And maybe as you're listening to this message, you might ask yourself, what stage am I in? Am I in? And how can I progress to that next one so that I can experience in fullness the work of the Holy Spirit? 
Well, praise God that the Holy Spirit is doing a lot. But what is the Holy Spirit doing? What does the Holy Spirit do? For some of us who might have this idea that the Holy Spirit is spooky or the Holy Spirit's a weird concept, but actually as we get to understand who the Holy Spirit is, I believe we're going to develop a real hunger for what he's doing and want more of what he's doing in our lives. The first stage is this, is that the Holy Spirit convinces us. The Holy Spirit convinces us. You might know the passage in John chapter 16, verse 8. It says this, And when he comes, and Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit here, And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin, and of God's righteousness, and of the coming judgment. Maybe you've heard that passage before. Maybe you've heard teaching that the Holy Spirit convicts. Well, I believe that, but I wanted to change the wording here a little bit because I believe the Holy Spirit in one of his prime roles and work is that he convinces. You know, in this passage, John 16, when you look at the Greek, the word is actually convinces or persuades us. And so, yes, there's conviction with the Holy Spirit. But really what the primary, one of the primary roles of the Holy Spirit and work of the Holy Spirit is to convince us. The role of the Spirit is to persuade us of the truth that we are in need of a Savior. It's to convict us in the sense to convince us that we are people who are in sin, who do things that separate us from God. The work of the Holy Spirit is to convince us that there's an answer. And so the Holy Spirit isn't there just to leave you in this desperate place of, wow, I'm so guilty, I'm, I'm convicted. No, really, the, the primary work of the Holy Spirit is to show us and to reveal to us and to persuade us that there's an answer to our sin problem, that out of the grace of God, we can be freed of our sin and enter into relationship with the Lord. The role of the Holy Spirit is to persuade and prove to us that Jesus, in fact, is alive and he's ready to walk with us. See, there is conviction when the Holy Spirit comes, but the work of the Holy Spirit is not primarily to convict, but to convince. When a person is convicted, they're proven guilty. But the Spirit's main goal is not to prove that we are guilty, his main goal is to prove to us that through Jesus, we can enter a brand new life. We have to remember that the gospel is good news, and the Holy Spirit is there to witness and to reveal the good news. And so, yes, when the Holy Spirit comes, we're convicted of our sin, where we see our condition. But the Holy Spirit quickly wants us to see the answer to our condition. He wants us to quickly see that there's a new life waiting for us in Jesus, and that when we come to Jesus and we give our life to him, there's no longer any condemnation. The role of the Holy Spirit is to convince you that the work of Jesus has pardoned you from the things that could convict you. I love that. The Holy Spirit convinces us by proving to us that God is actually real and alive and wants to be a part of our life. Now, when it comes to journeying with the Holy Spirit and walking in step with the Spirit and experiencing the Spirit of God, we play a part in that. It requires something of us, two things, really, belief and repentance. 
If you want to know the work of the Spirit in your life, if you, if you want to experience and encounter the presence of God through His Spirit, you need to believe and you need to repent. To believe is to have faith where you step out and you trust what God has said through His Word, but also through His Spirit, that that is true. And it's a step of faith. We trust God in that. We believe. But then we repent. Repentance simply means to turn to God, to turn away from our old life into a new life. We have to turn to the Lord. I love in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, uh, Peter says this. He, he replies by saying this to a group of people as he's preaching the gospel. He says, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so Peter's saying, listen, you've got to believe and you also have to repent. You have to turn to the Lord. You know, friends, as I was thinking about this and praying on this, I think probably for too many of us, we have this misunderstanding of repentance. We believe that repentance is, I have to figure out all the things I've done wrong, and I have to say them out loud, almost like a checklist, so that God will forgive me. But actually, repentance, what repentance is, is of course, it's, it is confessing of our sin, but it's not a homework assignment. It's a homecoming. Did you catch that? That repentance, it's not a homework assignment. Too many of us treat repentance like a homework assignment where we have to get everything down and we've got to keep coming back to it and we've got to present it before the Lord and say, Lord, here are all my failings. Would you forgive me of these things? Well, friends, the Lord knows all of our failings. He doesn't need us to, to write them all down. He just needs us to confess, Lord, man, we've failed We've walked away from you. We've gone on our own path. Uh, we've, we've, we've worked in our own will. We've been building our own kingdom. I confess that, Lord, that I've been living life without you, and now I want to turn to you. Repentance isn't a homework assignment. It's a homecoming. Think of the prodigal son who returns home. He had his list. He had his homework assignment ready to present it to his father to say, oh, Lord, Father, I'm so sorry that I left. Here are all the reasons. I've, these are all the things I've done. Please take me back as your servant. But the father doesn't even give him a chance to recite those things. He knew them already. All he wanted the son to know was that he was welcomed home. And this is the truth of the gospel. The good news is that when you turn to the Lord, he welcomes you home. Friends, once we step out in faith and turn to the Lord, the Spirit does a new work within us. The first stage of the work of the Holy Spirit is that He convinces us. Maybe you're in that place right now where you just feel the promptings of the, of the Spirit of God, maybe without even knowing that's what it is. And He's convincing you of, of Jesus and convincing you that you can be a new creation in the Lord. But then, once you believe and repent and turn to the Lord, now you go into this second stage of the work of the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit does is he awakens us. Amen. He awakens us. I love in Genesis 2, when God creates Adam and Eve, he breathes life into them. And the word there is ruach, the Hebrew word. It means he breathes life into them. Later on in the scriptures, that same word ruach is used for the Spirit of God. Why? 
because the Spirit of God brings us life. It awakens us. I think of the vision that was given to Ezekiel, this valley of dry bones in Ezekiel chapter 37. And there's this whole valley of dry bones. The Lord shows Ezekiel this. And the Lord asks Ezekiel this question. He says, can these dry bones live? And Ezekiel's like, well, only you know that, Lord. But then uh, the Lord calls these bones back into formation. He puts the bones back together, the tendons. He even puts flesh on the bones. But still the bones, they, they, they weren't alive. And so the Lord says to Ezekiel, this is what I want you to do. I want you to prophesy to these bones. I want you to speak to these bones on behalf of me. And this is what you're to say to the bones. You're to, the breath of God is coming into you. And so Ezekiel begins to do this, telling the bones, prophesying to the bones that the breath of God is coming into them. As he's doing that, the breath of God comes into these bones and they, they live. You know, friends, oftentimes we live like these dry bones where maybe it looks like everything's put together, but we're, we're running on fumes, we're going through the motions, we're completely detached from knowing and experiencing the presence and the work of God in our lives. But with the Spirit, when the Ruach, the breath of God, is breathed in us, we are made new. We are awakened. We are begin to see and experience the goodness of God. When the Spirit of God comes into our lives, no longer just this convincing work, but now this awakening work, now we live and He lives within us. We come alive to the presence of God, to the things of God, to the ways of God. We're given a new heart that desires to please the Lord in all that we do. You know, I remember a story of a young man named James who was really searching for the Lord. And so he was invited by a friend to a course called Alpha. And uh, in this course called Alpha, they do a whole session of several sessions actually on the Holy Spirit. And James came into this very skeptical. In fact, James, uh, he had a, a checkered background and to him, he didn't believe that he was a person that God would want to associate with. Well, he learned about Jesus and he learned about what God did for him. He learned about how his sins could be removed and how he could have a new life. And he came to these sessions on the Holy Spirit and he learned about how God wanted to place his spirit within him. And James described it as he had an awakening, this awakening to to the love of God, this awakening to the purposes of God in his life. And it all came through a welcoming of the Spirit in his life. You know, I can tell you that same Alpha Course was really instrumental in my faith as well, as I learned all about the Holy Spirit, and I learned about the, the fundamentals of the Christian faith. And maybe you need an awakening in the Spirit. Maybe you've felt the convincing of the Spirit, but you've never been awakened by the Spirit. The Spirit's never made His home within you. I would encourage you to take the Alpha Course. In fact, you can go online to walnuthillcc.org and find out that we're, we're hosting the class very soon. You can register today. I would encourage you to do that. Invite the Holy Spirit to do this work of awakening within you. But it doesn't stop there. The Holy Spirit continues to work in a new kind of work as we're convinced and then we're awakened, but then 
what the Holy Spirit does is he transforms us. You know, I love the story of Peter in the Gospels. Peter is just amazing. I relate so much to Peter. I think we, we all do. It's a story of a man who, who radically followed Jesus, but messed up along the way. You know, you see Peter chosen to be a disciple. You see Peter proclaim that Jesus was the Messiah. But then six verses later, he tells Jesus that he's not going to die. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You see Peter walking on water, but then you see Peter sinking as well. You see Peter in the upper room with Jesus. And Jesus is breaking bread with his disciples, telling them once again that he's going to the cross. And then Jesus even turns to Peter and tells Peter that he would deny Jesus three times. Peter didn't think that this would happen. In fact, Peter says, listen, no, I, I'm, I would go to prison with you, Jesus. I would die with you, Jesus. There's no way this is going to happen. But then we know the story. Jesus is arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's brought before the high priest, Peter travels and follows him to the high priest, and, and he's just out in the courtyard. He can't go in. Jesus is inside talking to the high priest and the religious leaders of the day. Peter's outside, and there's this fire that the guards had made, and, and there he is. He's standing around the fire warming himself. And all of a sudden, people notice who he is. Aren't you the one who's with Jesus? Aren't you one of his followers? No, that's not me. Aren't you one of those followers? No, that's not me. Hey, aren't you one of the followers? No, it's not me. Three times he denies Jesus and the rooster crows. And Peter runs away weeping. But I love how the story goes because Jesus doesn't give up on Peter. And he hasn't given up on any one of us. Praise God. No, when Jesus goes to the cross, he dies, but he rises from the dead. He tells the women at the tomb, uh, the angel tells the women at the tomb what had happened. And, and they even say, go and tell the disciples and Peter. Later on, Peter is found still fishing, back to fishing again. And Jesus comes to the shore. Peter notices that it's Jesus. He jumps into the water. He swims to shore. There Jesus is around a fire. And around this fire, Jesus reinstates Peter. and says, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. He was going to use Peter to start his church. He was going to use Peter to be the rock that we now stand on as the church, as the family of God. Peter went out and did bold and courageous things for Jesus. You know, it's just a few chapters later where Peter's found again near the high priest. But this time he's not in the courtyard. Now he's standing right in front of the high priest. Why is he there? Well, because he and John were out sharing the gospel. They healed a crippled beggar. And now they brought him in because they were so upset that he was preaching and sharing that Jesus was alive. And what does Peter do before the high priest? He doesn't run off. He doesn't hide like he did before. He doesn't deny that he knows Jesus. But instead, he preaches the gospel to the high priest. And it cost him dearly. He went to prison. So what changed from Peter in the courtyard to Peter being in the presence of the high priest? Something radical happens to Peter. See, in Acts chapter 2, the promised spirit of God is given. It's called Pentecost. And Peter and many others were filled with the spirit of God. And here is where Peter was radically forever changed and transformed. It was when the spirit of God fell on him. I love that the spirit transforms us. You know, when you have children, you anticipate uh, that child being born 
uh, when when your wife is is pregnant. I remember Becca being pregnant, and you're you're anticipating the child being born, and then you have the baby, and then then you go home with the baby, right? Then the baby becomes a toddler, then the baby begins to talk. Later on, you find out that the baby begins to talk back, <laughs> and sometimes that that happens. Then, and I'm I'm getting ready for this. The baby begins to drive. And you drive the baby around, but then they, they get their license, and then the baby goes to college, and then eventually the baby gets a job, and then the baby begins to have babies, and they grow up. You know, it would be ridiculous to, for us to think that when the baby is born, that its growth was finished. And the same is true spiritually, that when you receive the Holy Spirit, the work has just begun. It's not finished, it's just begun. And the Lord does a transforming work through his spirit. So let me ask this question. How does the Holy Spirit transform us? Just a couple insights into that. First is this. The Holy Spirit transforms us day by day. This hopefully is encouragement to each and every one of us because we are not done. No, the Lord is working on us. He's molding us. He's shaping us. We are all a work in progress. Uh, He will bring us to completion, but we're all on a journey of transformation. I love how one of my friends, Greg, says that God is the God of the process. We even see this in the creation story. On day one, God says, it is good. When you look at all the the days that were to come and all the progress that he would make, you'd think on day one, things weren't good. There's no no vegetation. uh, There's no land. uh, There's no humans yet. How can things be good? Well, that's because God is the God of the process. He delights in every step and every stage. And so the Holy Spirit delights in transforming us. And this is who our God is. He's the God who transforms. How does he do that? Well, he also does it by guiding us. He guides us. You know, I love coaching. And one of the things that a coach does is they guide a player along. And oftentimes what transforms the player is the coach guiding them, showing them how to do things, modeling it to them. This is what the Holy Spirit does as the Holy Spirit lives within us. It shows us how to live with this in this new life as a new creation. It's our guide. I love how the Holy Spirit shows us the way and shows us how to live as new creatures. How does the Holy Spirit transform us. The Holy Spirit transforms us by strengthening us. The Holy Spirit gives us confidence as we step out in faith. We remember that passage of, if he is for me, who can stand against me? Who can be against me? The Holy Spirit transforms us through strengthening us, through giving us boldness to step out in our faith. The Holy Spirit also transforms us by comforting us. I have to say, I've experienced personally, but also as a pastor, that oftentimes our greatest moments of transformation happen in our greatest moments of suffering. Isn't that true? Look and reflect on your own life. That as the Holy Spirit walks with us in the struggle, he strengthens us in that struggle, and he teaches us valuable lessons. Maybe you're in a place right now where you're struggling, where you're suffering. Invite the Holy Spirit into that moment. You can learn valuable lessons there, You can know more of who God is through his compassionate and comforting heart. And this is what the Holy Spirit does, constantly transforming us. And the Holy Spirit does this on purpose for a reason. 
I love in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 16 to 18, says this, For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed, now catch this, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. The Holy Spirit's transforming us on purpose. And the purpose for his transforming is so that we can see and reflect the glory of God. I love that. Don't you now want the transformation of the Spirit in your life so that you can see the glory of God? Man, Lord, transform me so that I can see you more. Renew my mind. Renew my heart. Lord, teach me new things through your Spirit so that I can more frequently see you moving in my life. But also transform me, Lord, so that I can reflect the glory of you to others. This is the purpose and the work of the Holy Spirit in our life, transforming us more and more like Christ Jesus so that we can see God move, but also so that we can reflect the glory of God to others. Two more stages, and I won't say too much about them because over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about these two stages in more detail. But the fourth stage that the the Spirit does and, and the work of the Spirit is that he transform. I just said that he empowers us, excuse me. He empowers us. So he convinces us. This is one of the things he does. He awakens us. He transforms us, but then he empowers us. I love the fact that our spirit, the, the spirit of God empowers us. The Holy Spirit is so good at knowing exactly what we need. He's so good at empowering us with everything that we need. The Holy Spirit gives us the gift of peace. Have you ever just felt and known the peace that passes understanding? That's a gift of the Spirit that empowers you to be able to go through situations that are not peaceful, but experience the peace of God. I love that the Spirit empowers us with gifts. And we're going to talk about those gifts in in a few weeks. We're going to go through several different gifts of the Spirit. But the Spirit gives us each different gifts as a part of the body of Christ. He empowers us uh, to play a special role in the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit empowers us with boldness uh, to be able to step out in faith. The Holy Spirit empowers us with wisdom. I know whenever I've invited the Spirit to speak to me, He gives me words of wisdom that often aren't the things that I would have necessarily naturally thought about. But the Spirit gives us wisdom. And the Spirit empowers us oftentimes with patience. (laughs) Couldn't we use a little bit more patience? And the Spirit gives us that that empowerment to patiently wait for Him. Or patiently uh, wait for the right time. The Spirit also empowers us with the gift of the prophetic. To be able to speak uh, the heart of God uh, to others. This is an active role and work of the Holy Spirit to empower us. So not just to convince us, not just to awaken us, not just to transform us, but to actually empower us. But then there's a final stage I want to share with you of the work of the Holy Spirit. And that is that the Holy Spirit moves through us. This is ultimately what we want, isn't it? To see the Holy Spirit moving through us. See, the Holy Spirit does something in us, does something for us but also does something through us. 
This happens through our character as the Holy Spirit transforms us, that we produce what's called the fruit of the Spirit, which I'm going to talk about more in the weeks to come. The Spirit also works on giving us these gifts, which I just spoke about, given to us by the Lord, so that we can use those gifts, uh, to, and the Spirit moves out through us, uh, through the gifts of the Spirit. And finally, by, by faith, the Holy Spirit moves through us. As we obey and, 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 and work and walk in step with the Spirit, the Lord moves through us and reflects his glory to others. Friends, I wonder just as I close, how is the Holy Spirit working in your life right now? Maybe the Holy Spirit is convincing you, persuading you. I would encourage you to welcome the work of the Spirit, to trust and believe what God has said in his holy word, but also what he's saying to you through the power of his Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit awakening you right now? I pray that he is. I pray that all of us would be awakened by the Spirit, that we would have the breath of God breathed in us, that we would be able to see the things of the kingdom, that we move in the kingdom, and that God would awaken us spiritually. Is the Spirit transforming you? Is the Spirit Has the Spirit empowered you? Is the Spirit moving through you? I pray that we would experience all five of these stages. But wherever you are in the journey, I pray that the Lord would move you along and that you would get to experience every aspect of the work of the Holy Spirit. Let me just close us in prayer and then we're going to have a time of of worship as we close our service. Lord, I'm thankful for what you do in and through us and for us by your Spirit. And Lord, I pray that if there's anybody listening right now who just needs to be awakened by your Spirit, Lord, I pray that we would believe and that we would repent that right now we would just turn to you. And in doing that, that we would experience your goodness. We'd experience those welcoming arms. And Lord, that you would awaken us, that you would fill us with your spirit now. And Lord, I pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.